We Went Blues is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Blues tickets tend to drop in price right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. And you know it only takes two taps. That's like Ryan O'Reilly to David Perron for a goal. Those two have been hot lately with the chemistry. Uh, Two overtime goals for David Perron, another for Ryan O'Reilly. You can't top their chemistry. Two taps, that's what it takes to check out at game time. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. Episode number 11 of We Went Blues with Barrett Jackman and myself, Jeremy Rutherford. No need to tell you who we are anymore. Now we're 11 episodes into this. Hopefully you're enjoying the podcast. We've had a lot of fun the past couple months, weeks, talking about uh, the blues and talking about uh, travel, what it's like to be an NHL player on the road. In this episode, uh, Jacks, we're going to get to uh, the Blues, how they've been playing lately, but also want to talk to you. The Blues are on a Western Canadian swing. Well, hold, hold on, JR. I, yeah. I, I think we want to get the breaking news uh, first. Um, what is it? Injury did, to, did Petro Injury sign? to report. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no signing, but uh, uh, breaking news and a lower body injury. Um, Who? Uh, um, actually, um, I don't know if you can discuss it, but uh, I'd like to you know, ask you... Uh, did you maybe have a foot injury over the weekend what? or something? How did you find out about this? Who's your Who's your source? Uh, I got spies in hospitals and doctors' <laughs> offices uh, just to get me the uh, the inside scoop. But uh, can you uh, you know explain uh, what happened to you over uh, the weekend and, and what you were doing to uh, possibly maybe a foot injury? You, you know, there's HIPAA laws against this, right? <laughs> no, I guess not uh, when it comes to uh, podcasters, though. All those years, Jax, of me going up to your locker stall and, and asking you about your uh, various injuries, I guess I owe it to you. Uh, to Yes, I do have a lower body injury. I spent the morning at the doctor. Um, not really proud of how it happened, so I don't know This is how, how this is going to go over with you, but it uh, happened in a <clears throat> kickball incident over Are the weekend. Were you playing with five, five-year-olds, or, <laughs> or what, what was going on here? No, I wish I could say that too. Uh, there was an adult kickball game tournament, and uh, just running from first base to second base, probably had a few uh, man sodas, as our friend, rest in peace, Chris Duncan, uh, used to call them, and uh, just bit it, Jax. Uh, just a couple feet from second base, put the foot down, it twisted up, and I got to tell you, there is a crater size hole at second base out at the Columbia, Illinois uh, Legion Hall where I landed. Were you just running too fast and, uh, you know, got trucking a little uh, too much and, and, <laughs> think and couldn't stop? Or that that what is what happened, on? yeah. Yep, just uh, Usain Bolt. You know, a lot of people thought that I was a ringer. Um, so when I ran to second and, you know, it took me out of the game, I had to go sit on the bench and, you know, the other team just breathing a sigh of relief that, uh, you know, one of the ringers, better players on our team, uh, was done for the day. So Lower body injury found out today it is broke. I'll be in the boot for four to six weeks, uh, but let's keep that on the down low. This is a lower body 
injury in case you're okay are we gonna re- reevaluate after four to six weeks or is this a uh, set timetable <laughs> no kidding when did uh, that become a thing in the nhl everything's uh, a reevaluate so yeah i gotta reevaluate uh, probably four weeks it's gonna be tough to write you know uh, it's gonna be a struggle uh, but I'll, I'll figure out a way to get my foot position while i write about this blues team but thanks a lot for bringing that up i appreciate that buddy well should we be worried this is a reoccurring injury <laughs> what what other questions can you think of here what are the ones that uh, you guys get peppered with <laughs> so how does it feel what what's the uh, the loss in the locker room gonna be like uh you know it's next man up uh we have several other writers at the nhl at the athletic uh, nhl who are gonna fill in and step up so uh you know it, this happens this is hockey writing it happens all the time, and, you know, we know it's going to happen, and, and uh, here we are. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll call the uh, kickball team for, uh, for their, uh, uh, you know, insights on the injury and, and how they're going to uh, recover from this. <laughs> they might have to make a, a big trade. They're going to trade for you. <laughs> yeah, now, I realize when you get close to 40, you shouldn't be playing uh, kids games anymore. Yeah, no, that is true. And I think I'm done. I think I'm retiring and actually 44. So uh, a little past 40. I should know better. I don't. And now uh, we're banged up. But fortunately, uh, Jack's our job now. Your job after retiring is just to talk about the puck. So we'll do that here in episode 11 of We Went Blues. Jack's uh, the Blues are hot. They've won four in a row. It's taken OT to get it done in uh, three of those four. Uh, but they are playing uh, some good hockey here in terms of winning games, doing what they need to do winning games. We'll talk about later, uh, you know, exactly how the team is playing. I think it could be a little better. Both you and I uh, would agree. But nonetheless, when there's a W after the game, then uh, you feel pretty good about things. Uh, but more on that later. After winning in mini jacks, uh, these Blues are headed to Western Canada. They're gonna, in Vancouver Tuesday night, Edmonton Wednesday, Calgary uh, Saturday. It just got me thinking. You know, we try to think of uh, some topics for the podcast that we think people, uh, listeners, would be interested in. And here's a trip. You know, I know it's a fun one for the team every year. Uh, I enjoyed uh, my many trips up to Western Canada. Uh, but the players do, especially because a lot of them are from there. And, and you are from Trail, British Columbia. It's about seven hours uh, from Vancouver. So just wanted to take this podcast to touch on uh, what a treat it is for you and in, in your career and some of these players on this current Blues team. Uh, to go up to Western Canada and probably play in front of some family and friends and kind of get the behind the scenes on that. Like I said, you're from Trail, British Columbia, about seven hours. Just what was it like growing up? Tell us a little bit about Trail, being a young hockey player, trying to make it to the NHL uh, growing up in Western Canada. Yeah, so um, it wasn't actually I was born in Trail, but that was the only hospital that was around. So uh, that's uh, on hockey cards or bios, it says birthplace. So uh, I grew up in a small town. It was called Salmo, uh, um, about 700 people. And that's where I grew up until about seventh grade and then moved to the metropolis of 1,200 people in Fruitvale, British Columbia. Um, Yeah, so, you know, it was a small town. It was... uh, you know, I, I learned how to play hockey on an outdoor rink, and then also on a uh, uh, on a curling rink. So uh, the, there's no partitions between the lanes, so you're able uh, when there's no curlers out there, you get to go on the ice, and it was kind of a pebbled ice, so it was hard to uh, to really learn how to skate uh, on that. Maybe that's why I was so slow uh, uh, as an NHL player, but. Um, you know, you got small town, you play with kids that are, you know, five years old till about 12 because, you know, that's that's what you got to do to, to fill the team. And 
uh, we had a lot of fun just uh, kind of enjoying, uh, um, you know, everybody's company. And, and right when you got home from school, you're outside until uh, uh, it was dinner time and you went back out until uh, it was bedtime. So it, it was really enjoyable. So your hockey card, you're saying, should say Hospital Trail, British Columbia instead of birthplace. Well, birthplace works, but where you grew up, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's quite, quite a big robbery when I was growing up, too. Uh, I always played uh, single-A hockey, and um, our, our team, uh, Beaver Valley, Fruitvale, uh, you can make fun of all those names, but uh, home of uh, Adam Dedmarsh, another, uh, you know, pretty successful NHL player. Um, so to have two uh, two guys uh, uh, from a town of 1,200, uh, it was pretty fun, but um, yeah, so I, I grew up playing single A hockey against uh, Trail, who had ten thousand people, and uh, and it was uh, yeah. I think we lost almost every game except for one, and uh, I, I think everybody from Fruitvale will, rem- will remember that, and everybody from Trail will say that we uh, we probably cheated. <laughs> well, it was a lot of rough and tumble stuff. I know in that Western Hockey League, you played for the Regina Pats, and you know I wrote Bernie Federko's autobiography. Uh, he was born in Foam Lake and played for the Saskatoon Blades, and uh, he talks a lot about uh, the games growing up in his autobiography, uh, My Blues Note, and, and Jack's. Um, I mean, we saw a lot of stuff in the 70s and 80s in the NHL. It's not like it, it you see today in the NHL. A um, lot of physical play, a lot of shenanigans. A lot of tough guys came out of that Western Hockey League, and I'm sure you have your share of stories. Any of them stick out in terms of – how rough and tumble that league was? Yeah, uh, geez, there's a ton of them. Uh, it was ridiculous. I think my first year in the uh, Western Hockey League, we had over five guys with uh, 200 penalty minutes or more, and a lot of them were right around 250. So uh, there was a lot of fights. And uh, my first uh, year in the Western League, we we had separate warm-ups for the teams uh, because in the uh, past years uh and i think it probably stemmed from from kelly chase and uh, tony twist and those guys playing and uh, i think tony twist used to go down he was so tough that he would steal the opposing uh, team's net for warm-up and take it down to his end and just stand there and laugh because nobody would uh, have the balls to come down and, and take it from them so they ended up uh, having so many brawls and fights and warm-up that they um so the visiting team would go out 45 minutes before the uh uh, the actual game time and have the first practice and uh, or warm up, and then they'd f- uh, flip all the pucks into the stands if they could, uh, so that the home team didn't have any uh, uh, any pucks on the ice when they came out. And uh, so eventually they got a little bit smarter and uh, uh, you know put the refs on the ice uh, f- for warm up and uh, you know tried to uh, make it a little bit more legitimate of a uh, of a league. Then yeah, I was gonna say, did you guys even have pucks? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes uh, it seemed like during the game we were uh, trying to play without a puck and uh, just try to fight. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun. It was an unbelievable experience to grow up and play junior hockey. And um, you know, I actually put like, you know playing in Regina. It was uh, uh, the home of uh, uh, Tyler Bozak, and and uh, I didn't realize this until. Uh, uh, one of the cup parties after I uh, was talking to, to Bozak and he was saying that the, uh, he remembered watching me play and I was his favorite player and you know he's only uh, 
you know, five years uh, younger than I am, but it would have been, you know, I think it would have been 11 years old when I first started. So uh, I could see why he was kind of watching, uh, watch me play and uh, yeah, actually remember uh, me playing for the Pats. Yeah, well, yeah, that was your style. That's right up your alley. So I can, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that you played in the Western Hockey League with the, the Pats. And I remember talking to Bobby Plager Jacks one time, you know, the Blues are scouting you and eventually they used a first round draft pick 1999 uh, to take you. Uh, but I think Bobby Plager had watched you play before they drafted you and uh, liked your style. And uh, then when they did draft you, he said uh, he is fit for number five. And they don't hand that number out. As you guys know, it's uh, it's in the rafters and retired for uh, Bobby Plager. Uh, but uh, Mr. Plager said that, yeah, go ahead and let him wear that. That had to be one of the biggest compliments of your career. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, I, I got to meet him in the uh, fly down uh, before the draft, and um, I knew uh, Pat Janelle, one of uh, Bobby Plager's best friends, uh, and uh, the Western League scout for uh, for the Blues, and uh, you know, heard some stories about Patty Janelle and how tough he was, and he would talk about uh, Bobby Plager and some of the stories, uh, you know, and some of the the meetings that we had, uh, dinner meetings and stuff like that uh, before the draft, and uh, and then. You know, after being drafted and getting to uh, to St. Louis, I had no idea what was uh, what was in store. But uh, going to the dressing room, the uh, you know first uh, uh, kind of you know day of camp and and seeing a number, and everybody's got all these high numbers, uh, you know, seventy twos and seventy six, and you know just numbers that you don't really remember and you wouldn't really. Uh, uh, you know, think of, but I had the uh, number five sitting there and, um, for that to, to be in my stall and, and to hear some stories just in the first couple of days of training camp and, and to have Bobby pick me to wear that was, uh, was a huge honor. Yeah. Big honor. So like I said, you get to St. Louis as a draft pick in 1999, uh, again, you know, referencing Federico, uh, a kid from, uh, Western Canada shows up in St. Louis. He said the plane lands, he gets off the plane at, at Lambert takes a step outside and he noticed two things. It was so green, he said, uh, you know, the uh, the trees, the forest area, and then just so hot, the humidity, you know, and I'll vouch for that, you know, being a lifelong St. Louis and you walk outside to get your mail and you'll sweat, you know, just walking the 20 feet out to your box. No jokes there, Jax. It was the humidity. It wasn't. <laughs> uh, you, didn't see, you didn't see some cake or something, too, did you? <laughs> out at the mailbox. Yeah, I did. Uh, but just the uh, first impressions of St. Louis. And where we're going with this is, you know, just a lot of Western Canadian uh, players, and, and they come to St. Louis like yourself, like Bernie Federko, and, uh, you know, it just St. Louis becomes part of them. And, and we'll get to that in just a little bit about why you guys – elect to stay here uh, after your careers but just first impressions of st louis uh yeah um you know I, I come from british columbia and it's uh i grew up in the foothills of the rockies so uh, i i knew about uh you know huge mountains and and lots of trees and and uh you know kind of uh uh you know uh lots of wildlife and and things like that you're in the middle of the bush basically and then i went to regina which is uh, 180,000 people and i you know i thought i was stuck in a in a huge uh, big city and and thought that uh, uh you know that's that was as big as it could get and you know this saskatchewan is on the prairies too so flat as can be and 
Uh, I didn't realize, you know, appreciated what I came from until I kind of got there and then went back to BC and saw these huge mountains and, and, uh, you know, seeing the, the contrast and then coming down to St. Louis, you know, and, you know, city, you know, a couple million people and, uh, you know, I was overwhelmed again and, um, but it was, uh, it was really cool. I, I just remember how friendly everybody was and, uh, just, just how, uh, you know, just accommodating. I think everybody was too. And uh, you get in and uh, you hear about the arch. And I remember seeing, I think it was in seventh grade, seeing a uh, in a shop class a, a video about building the arch and how cool it was. And then getting to see that, and and then see you know come down to the to the rink and see where the Blues played. And and uh, and luckily, I think I came in May for the first time. And it wasn't that hot, but then coming for training camp, it was ridiculous how. Uh, you know, I think I went through, uh, you know, three shirts in uh, the first couple hours that I was in uh, in St. Louis. Yeah, I think Bernie talked about going to camp at the old arena and the ice was just slush. It was so hot outside. Uh, but uh, the humidity is something else. I'll never forget John Davidson calling me one time and, and we were talking about a few different things. And the, the first thing he said as soon as I answered, he's, oh, it's so effing humid. What the hell is up with this, <laughs> uh, with this city? So. Uh, you know, that was uh, John Davidson, and he had been here before as a player. Uh, but, uh, Jax, you know, you got to go back to Canada and uh, and play in front of, I'm sure, some family and, and friends and uh, your mom. I know, obviously, a big fan. Uh, just what was it like when you guys went back to Canada knowing that uh, you're going to have those people in the stands? What was it like for them? Oh, it was really cool. I think uh, my first year playing against uh, Vancouver in the uh, first round of the playoffs uh, it was a huge thrill for me coming from BC, having uh, you know a lot of the games for the Canucks were on TV and, and uh, the Edmonton Oilers too in the 80s. Uh, uh, I got a lot of those games and then the uh, the Calgary Flames uh, uh, with Al McInnes and uh, you know when he won it in uh, I think it was 89. So um, you know, you got a lot of exposure in Canada with the, uh, with the games, but, um, when you get to get to Vancouver, your first game as a, uh, as a visiting team. And I think I had probably 20 people, a bunch of friends from school, a bunch of family members. And, uh, it's very expensive because, you know, your first game, you got to start buying tickets for everybody. And, uh, especially Vancouver, they're not cheap. So, uh, I didn't, I, you know, I think I paid to play in the NHL for, uh, for that game, but, you know, it, it's so cool to be out there, and uh, you know, your family always comes early for warm up, and they're standing on the uh, on the glass. All your buddies are making fun of you, or and uh, you know, all your teammates are kind of giving you a hard time because it is your hometown. So, uh, yeah, just just being there and and having your fans and your and uh, you know your family just to 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 be part of uh finally making the nhl and and they've you know sacrificed a lot and pushed me so much to uh to be where i'm at and and that was uh that was always kind of a huge thrill and you know you hear some stories sometimes about uh you know guys getting scratched in their hometown and you know because the coach uh you know was kind of setting a you know you know i think it was a mike keenan type of uh deal where you know a guy would be going to his hometown and they get benched and and that would be, uh, you know, it would kind of be the ultimate uh, slap in the face for uh, for a lot of players. Yeah, uh, you know, that's happened uh, several times over the course of uh, me covering the Blues, and it would seem like the players would lose some respect for a coach in that situation. Is that the case? 
Yeah, well, it, it all depends on the circumstance. If you're, you know, if you've been on the lineup for a couple of games and, and the team's doing well, then you can kind of see that. But, you know, I, I've seen in the past, and, you know, I bring up Mike Keenan's name again. Uh, he would actually purposely take guys out uh, knowing that their their parents were going to be there just to try and light a fire and, and think that was uh, motivation, but uh, kind of works in the uh, the opposite sometimes. So a lot of the players, when I went to uh, Toronto earlier this season with the Blues, the, the other writers, the Toronto writers, said that that was the largest group of family and friends they had seen at the uh, Scotiabank Center after the game. You know, that's what happens. You know, the players have their families and they all wait in a certain area. And uh, that was the biggest group they said they had seen all season. You're talking about uh, guys like Fabry, O'Reilly, Thomas, Bortuza, Dunn, Petrangelo, Bennington, all those guys from the Toronto area. And there must have been 200, 250 people waiting in the lower bowl after that game. This Western Canadian trip that the Blues are on now, you, you mentioned Tyler Bozak, uh, Regina, uh, Braden Shen, Saskatoon, Schwartz, uh, Wilcox, you know, that's nearby. Jay Bowmeister, Edmonton, and then Colton Pareko, St. Albert, which isn't too far. So he'll have some relatives at the games, uh, you know, the next couple games. But before I ask you about what the post-game scene is going to be like for them, I wanted to ask you this. I w- I've always wondered this. You know, in the States, there's a huge difference between somebody from New York and California. You got the the accent in New York, the Bronx, you think of that. But you think California, you're thinking surfer. Just what's the difference between, you know, Eastern Canada, Toronto area, Western Canada? And do you guys j- take jabs back and forth? I know the answer there, but let's hear it in your words. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if you're from Toronto or Ontario, you think you're from the uh, center of the universe. So, um, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs fans, it's, you know, it's Toronto or nothing. And, uh, you know, so, you know, you, in, in Canada, you got the three leagues. You got the Western Hockey League, you got the Ontario Hockey League, and then you have the uh, uh, Quebec League. And Quebec League's known for scorers and the almost type, you know, the French Canadian, almost soccer player esque. Uh, you know, types of players. Um, you know, Ontario League is kind of the two-way, you know, s- some of the more publicized players. And, you know, you get obviously some pretty good superstars, but uh, the Western League is all kind of farm boys and, you know, rough and tough and go about your business and uh, enjoy yourself after the game. So, um, obviously, the Western Leaguers are the best players, but uh, that's just kind of my own uh, my own opinion, but uh, not many people care about that. Uh, yeah, but you know, we, you make fun of each other, and uh, there was a lot of battles growing up. If you played for, uh, you know, like a U sixteen or U seventeen, you you know, you you had your own uh, province and your own regions, and um, it, th- they were battles. It was uh, you know, prove what part of Canada was the best, and it's kind of like uh, United States and. You know, New Yorkers, uh, you know, hate Boston people, St. Louis people are, are going to battle against Chicago. And it's, you know, it's bragging rights. So it's it's fun growing up. And, and uh, you know, it's still uh, to this day, you know, you see a guy from Ontario, you're going to, you know, chirp him if their team did, uh, didn't do well. Yeah. And, you know, so a lot of the uh, players are going to go out with uh, family and friends uh, tonight before the game in Vancouver tomorrow night. You'll see the same thing uh, before they uh, go to Edmonton, even though there's back to backs here. The Blue Willow, I believe it's it's called the uh, there's a Chinese restaurant that Bernie Federico has been going to for years. He turned us on to that place. So, you know, you'll just see uh, players out and about. Uh, but the one thing is, if they don't have time for that dinner, Jax, uh, I just want to describe to the listeners what it's like after the game. Um, you guys set it up. And you can pick up the story here in a second, but uh, you guys set up the, the tickets and but also post game passes. And so that pass allows 
those loved ones to get downstairs underneath the seating sometimes and be uh, ready to, to meet you outside uh, the locker room. I'm sure you've had to come up with a number of passes and just what's it going to be like for uh, Bowmeister and uh, and Bozak and Schwartz and some of these guys. I mean, as soon as the game's over, you'd think that uh, you take a quick shower and, and you're probably trying to change and get ready as fast as you can and get out there and see them because you don't have much time. Yeah, uh, you know, lots of times it's, you know, you're lucky if you can get in the city the night before. You can do your uh, dinner with family or uh, a couple buddies if you're, uh, you, you know, your your parents and uh, sisters can't get in right away. But, um, yeah, if, if you're, you know, flying in, uh, you know, if it's a back-to-back and you get in and you want to see your family, it's, yeah, you get your tickets, you get your passes, and, you know, the uh, the family members and, and friends are, are kind of kept like cattle behind, uh, you know, some fences and, uh, so yeah, you try and get all your therapy. If you, you know, you get an injury, you get an ice after the game, you get your shower, get all dressed up and, uh, come out and, you know, you, you basically, you, you know, you give out the, all the hugs to the family members and then you have probably five to 10 minutes to kind of, you know, make small talk and, and see how everybody's doing. And then, uh, Richie Jankowski or Dan O'Neill, uh, you know, the travel, uh, uh, travel guys will come by and be like, okay, let's hop on the bus. We're going to the next place. So. It's, uh, you know, it's nice to see him, but it's, uh, it's definitely way too short uh, when you get to uh, uh, see your family on the road. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, in this case, when you have the uh, back-to-back games, it, yeah, it's a lot tighter. So you got to make that bus. I'm sure over the years you've had situations where uh, a veteran can probably get away with it if he's a few minutes late getting back to the bus, but a young pro- player, uh, probably not. I'm sure you've done your fair share of teasing of the young players there, Jax. Well, hey, we have to take a quick break, Jax. Talking about uh, erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame others, saying things like, I just lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I've had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not uh, feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe a real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally uh, discreet. So with Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to roman.com blues and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be a tough uh, situation, conversation to have, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash blues to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash blues for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash blues. So, JR, is this, uh, does this mean that we actually have a pretty good uh, show going, that uh, we got an ED commercial in the middle of the, uh, the podcast? <laughs> right in the middle of the podcast. Jax, you know what? I'm just glad that there's a place I can finally go for uh, this issue. So this is this is a yeah. good thing. <laughs> but as we said uh, earlier, Jax, the Blues, uh, they've won four in a row, three of them in OT. That's a good thing. You're pulling it out. Uh, you know, David Brown has become Mr. OT, a couple goals. Ryan O'Reilly the other night. What a beauty. Nine, three, and three, first place in the Central Division. Still not playing great hockey, but boy, are they finding a way to win. 
Yeah, and that's kind of what it is uh, at the beginning of the year too. You got to find ways to uh, get as many points as you can and uh, and get on the board so you're not uh, battling back. Uh, you know, kind of like what they had to do last year. Although it it was a pretty good recipe, uh, you don't want to be doing that year after year. So, um, you know, th- there's a lot of things they can do better. There's you know you could try and outshoot their opponent once in a while and uh, uh, you know kind of put teams away when they're up, but. Uh, the fact that they're uh, they're getting the points and they're getting the W's is uh, is a pretty good sign, and the uh, the swagger they have when it goes to to overtime uh, is pretty fun to watch right now. Yep, and piling up the W's over his career is Jake Allen. I know he's the backup now, and everybody has focused on Jordan Bennington, but uh, win number one hundred and thirty eight for Jake Allen. Uh, Jax he passes up Curtis Joseph for number two all time. Uh, Curtis obviously a fan favorite. And uh, it looks like Jake's going to be able to get to Mike Leute. Mike Leute, number one all time at 151. So I know this is a case of uh, longevity, but we can't overlook what Jake Allen has done for the Blues, uh, piling up these wins over the years. Uh, You know, if he passes Mike, you know, I think Mike in terms of uh, success and and one of the better years that a Blues goalie has had, 1980-81 was a terrific year for St. Louis. But, you know, if Jake Allen can do it over the course of time, uh, kudos for him. Also, we want to talk about the play of uh, Zach Sanford. You know, he's been up and down, Jack's uh, consistency has been an issue, uh, but he's played well lately. You know, Sammy Blay started out on that line, and I thought he looked really good. They've needed Blay elsewhere, playing on that third line, uh, and Sanford, to his credit, has stepped up and played much better. Yeah, I think in training camp, I you know, after what uh, what Sandy did in uh, in the playoffs last year, they kind of had a spot for him. Uh, you know, or either on the second or third line, and they really wanted him to come in and and you know, kind of battle. It would be him or or Fabry to see where they're going to be at. And obviously, Sammy Blake came in and and played really strong. And uh, so he's been uh, been put in a position to uh, you know, and he's he's put himself in a position to to keep playing uh, some big minutes. So you know, I think Sanford. Uh, it was disappointing in the first, uh, in the, you know, preseason and then the first couple games, so he didn't really get in the lineup. But, um, you know, he's, he's really uh, starting to play with a little bit of a uh, chip on his shoulder again and uh, play physical and, and make some things happen. And, uh, you know, that's nice to see. And, you know, in a time that, uh, you know, we need some of the young guys to step up and, and play big roles, he's uh, he's taking advantage of it right now. And another player who's given the Blues an identity, Jax, I think that fourth line, Mackenzie McEachern, uh, has played uh, strong. You know, he didn't play uh, early on in the season after really not dressing the last uh, 30 games or so of last year in the playoffs. Uh, but Mackenzie McEachern steps in and he's hitting everything. And uh, that's one thing I think that's been missing from the Blues um, is that identity specifically on that fourth line. But he's been able to uh, give that to him. Well, Jax, as we mentioned, the Blues in Vancouver uh, Tuesday night. And then it continues on the road trip uh, in Edmonton and then also in Calgary, but we want to remind you that uh, we have a podcast at The Athletic, and it's called The Nuxcast Cast with Jeff Patterson and Thomas Drance. You can get the scoop, the update, the latest on the Vancouver Canucks prior to the Blues visit there tomorrow night. Hey, a couple other things uh, we want to touch on before we get out of here. First of all, uh, David Backus, your friend and the former Blues captain, had an incident with Scott Sabrin the other night of Ottawa. Sabrin goes off on a stretcher, but he appears that he'll be okay. Backus seemed pretty shaken up. Not a... Uh, you know, a dirty hit, anything like that, just a collision. These things happen with this fast game. Uh, but tough situation for Bacchus to see Sabrin lay on the, the ice there. 
Yeah, no, it was uh, it's a freak accident. Uh, Saverin goes to hit Bacchus, and just the way that he hit his his head kind of flipped and and hit uh, Bacchus's uh, you know buffalo head and uh, and kind of knocked himself out. And then uh, he couldn't uh, protect himself when he hit the ice. And I'm only you know kind of making fun of it now because uh, Saverin's already tweeted out saying he's going to be okay and. Uh, uh, he's out of the uh, out of the hospital. So, but uh, you know, I think Bacchus was uh, uh, diagnosed with a concussion as well. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate. And uh, you know, Bax is a very uh, he's an emotional guy. He, he plays hard, but uh, and you know, he could be a little bit dirty sometimes. But he uh, he definitely doesn't want to see anything like that happen. And uh, I'm sure it's, it's shaking him up. And uh, but we're all uh, very happy. Uh, you know, in the hockey family, that uh, Saverin's going to be uh, be okay, and uh, you know, hopefully, nothing uh, long lasting with that. Yeah, and speaking of an upcoming opponent, Calgary, uh, Milan Lucic suspended two games uh, for what they're calling a sucker punch on uh, Columbus forward Cole Sherwood. I saw the play. I don't know, Jackson. I mean, it seems like that stuff happens a lot. A little bit of a maybe didn't know that the punch was coming, but he certainly saw Lucic coming, and and uh, he gets two games. A lot of people. I think that was a controversial ruling. $64,000 Milan Lucic will uh, lose because of this two-game suspension. Did you agree with the suspension? Uh, in the modern-day NHL, yes. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, that wouldn't probably not even be a penalty. It would be, uh, you know, a scruffle and, and uh, you know, you know maybe you kind of just send everybody to the, to, the uh, to their benches. But, um, you know, he did kind of – he is a big man. And, you know, if, uh, you know, five foot eight person tried to, you know, punch a guy like that, I don't think anything would have happened. And he'd probably still be standing. But Luchas is a big man. He kind of – it was almost like a UFC flying punch and, uh, and, and, you know, hit him pretty hard, but, um, you know, it's, it's kind of towing a line right now for the NHL. They start doing this and then, you know, they're looking at every punch after a whistle and, and things like that. So we, uh, you know, luckily nobody was hurt in that incident and you know two game suspension I, I think is a little excessive uh on this one also your good friend and we got to get him on the show pretty soon we promise uh, listeners that we will uh tj oshi as soon as he has a break in the action but what a, a funny tweet uh tj oshi of course uh, when the washington capitals won the stanley cup he and a lot of his teammates you could find him at just about any fountain whether it be in uh, las vegas or where have you uh they were having those man sodas and uh, after the Washington Nationals won the World Series the other day, uh, tell us about the tweet that uh, TJ put out, Jax. Yeah, Osh, uh, you know, in uh, in true Osh fashion, uh, sent out a pretty funny tweet uh, uh, with a Yelp or, or something or maybe a Google Maps saying, uh, you know, sending all the locations of the sea, uh, water fountains in, uh, in uh, the D.C. area for the uh, Nationals <laughs> to go and uh, recreate uh, – uh, Ovechkin and him and all the uh, the Washington Capitals after they won. So uh, I know all the uh, the Nationals and, and hopefully the uh, Cardinal fans aren't uh, you know pissed at us for talking about this. And uh, but uh, the uh, uh, yeah the the Nationals player were at the game uh, I think in uh, uh, in yeah it was in Washington and riding in the Zamboni fan uh, fan Zamboni with the. Uh, uh, with their shirts off and uh, doing the old O's chug with the uh, the beer through the the jersey, so it was uh, it was pretty funny. And uh, uh, I always love when uh, there's ties to to my boy uh, DJ Ochi. 
Yeah, we'll get them on soon, and you can read about that story at The Athletic. And, Jax, uh, speaking of The Athletic, uh, we're doing a blitz this week, and it's really cool where all the writers get together. They come up with a theme, and this week's theme, or this blitz's theme, is the uh, the culture of the NHL. Uh, so what we're doing is a deep dive into all things NHL culture. Our local and national writers have done some great stories on everything from the league's biggest wine snobs like yourself, uh, art collectors, trash talkers like Cam Jansen, uh, to a look at the diversity in hockey, the culture of hockey nicknames, and how players manage to practice and play while nursing a hangover, plus much more. These stories, and there was one in there today, uh, they're looking to uh, address the issue of gay hockey players and when will we see the first gay player in the NHL come out? Katie Strang did a great story on that today if you haven't had a chance to read it. Uh, It just gives you a rare insight into the world of hockey off the ice and this is a must read for NHL fans. So our local and national hockey writers have those great stories and everything uh, on the Athletic website right now and uh, for fans who are subscribers listening to the podcast be sure to check that out. You can subscribe to We Went Blues on Apple and uh, click on the show URL, theathletic.com forward slash We Went Blues. And right now you can get 40% off the subscription. Well, we appreciate it, Jax, and uh, thanks for bringing up my uh, lower body injury. Now uh, I'm sure I'll get teased about that uh, kickball incident. Yeah, way to battle through it today there, JR. You're uh, a <laughs> you're consummate professional. We tried, we tried. Well, I'll see you later tonight, Jax, and we will uh, talk to our listeners on Friday. Thanks for listening to episode 11 of We Went Blues. For Barrett Jackman, I'm Jeremy Rutherford. We appreciate your support, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.